the free for all roundtable round two on round two we say good morning to tamara cherry with pickup communications bob reed is principal at broadwaystrategy.com and pavan broch is an entrepreneur in marketing tech and real estate development plus a part-time farmer which regrettably doesn't inform any of our stories today i don't think but um, <laughs> give me time <laughs> let's start actually she's not going to be your mayor so pavan i guess you can you know sit back crack open the popcorn and enjoy the show but olivia chow <laughs> takes the oath at 11 o'clock this morning morning. And if you were listening, the outgoing interim mayor, Jennifer McKelvey, was here. And I think a lot of people listening probably still wish that she was the mayor. Is Pavin there? Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, yeah. For me. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, she seemed to have done a great job, John. Sorry about that. No I, uh, I think she did a great job and, uh, you know, very low key. And as she says, she's got lots of miles ahead of her. So we'll see where she goes and she may end up being the deputy mayor. But yeah, no, it's uh, for those of us sitting outside, uh, though, I spent the day yesterday, a fabulous day in Toronto. Um, you know, we do we do look with some concern at what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's as as we've discussed, progressives uh, being elected are making a mess of a lot of cities. Um, and uh, hopefully she realizes, of course, as many politicians do once they are elected, that she is the mayor for all. And she's got to deal with some significant issues. And, yeah. and I and I like the fact that she started out right, right off the bat with reaching out to other levels of government and talking about what she's going to do. But, you know, if she thinks she's going to build uh, affordable housing for everybody, I think she's got a surprise coming because, you know, the interest rates have driven housing starts down significantly. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's realistic in the, in this day and age to to do that. So she's got she's got a big job ahead of her. And for the, for the time being, most of us are avoiding Toronto until it gets fixed. Well, and Bob Reed, you would have wanted to avoid, I think it was Dundas Street this morning, or Queen, because that's where the mayor went for a bike ride, and she was followed by about 100 other cyclists, and some people were grousing on my text board, great, she starts by taking up traffic. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget the live helicopter coverage as yes. it was playing out as well. Uh, I, hey, look, full points for that one. You know, she's uh, the, the the bicycle has been part of of her identity and that of her late husband Jack Layton. So I think there's a bit of a nod there as well. But uh, cycling has always been you know key to Olivia Chow's personal brand. So it's a great way to make an entrance. Uh, here we are on the cusp of. Uh, a whole bunch of unknowns, uh, so uh, there will be, uh, much like the, uh, the old ancient curse, um, interesting times ahead. Uh, I, I, right now I'm in the wishing her well phase, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think we're all going to be watching closely to see, as Pavan just said, you know, really what is she going to be able to, to accomplish in terms of a lot of the magic wand waving that she did during the campaign, uh, but, and, and, and what, uh, what, what, what tangibles will be done by the end of this first and short mandate of hers. And Tamara Cherry, last word on this one. A lot of people sort of think we should have queued up Flight of the Valkyries as she arrived at City Hall. They think this is going to be the last act of a Wagner opera. No, you know, I, I'm actually really interested to see what Olivia Chow does with Toronto. I think she's becoming mayor at a really interesting time. It's it's a time where issues that are important traditionally to, to those to like public safety are uh, intersecting, intersecting with issues that are important to those on the left, like homelessness, mental health, that sort of thing. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see how she tackles some of the very unavoidable big issues that uh, people on the left wouldn't typically be screaming about. 
Meanwhile, interesting think piece, which we sent out early this morning for you guys all to take a look at. It's called Canada, the land of free roads, cheap gas, and the world's least fuel-efficient cars. Bob, I'm not entirely sure what the takeaway is, although in the past I've supported the idea of, at the very least, road tolls, because I think it's a legitimate means of raising revenue from the people who are using them. Yeah, that's the crux of the article. It's like, look at look at how tools are used effectively around the world to raise money for infrastructure and also, frankly, to control traffic by putting congestion fees on access into big cities and all of that kind of stuff. And, and it bemoans, the, the article does, uh, how we haven't been able to get our act together on tools here in Canada. There was an era back in the you know 50s, 60s when, when we did have tools, and now they're just politically intolerable. I think what they are more than anything is cost intolerable. I I take exception with the headline that Canada is the land of cheap gas. Not so sure about that. Uh, and, and, and the tolls that we do have in place uh, are, are crushingly high. Uh, I took a drive in uh, upstate New York not too long ago, and I, I think I was driving most of the day on toll highways, and I was you know girding myself for when the bill arrived in the mail, and it was like $4 total. Yeah. I was astonished at how low it was. If we had tolls at that level, I think there would be tolerance for it. But everything is already so expensive, and the tools that we have are so high, that's why there's no political will to even look at this. And you're right on the the, uh, tolls, especially the 407, Bob, because just to get to a golf course, I use a shortcut on the 407 that actually is two kilometers long, and I think my bill comes in at $11. Uh, But Tamara Cherry, the United States is the land of the car, and yet tolls are very common in the States, and here in in Canada, they seem to be, you know, nobody's going to tolerate them. Yeah, you know, I've, I've done the drive between uh, Toronto and Saskatchewan a few times, including through Canada and the United States. And I will say that the toll rolls were roads through the United States were a lot more enjoyable than uh, many of the roads through Canada, which were free, quote unquote. Um, not only that, I mean, my husband's from Brazil. And whenever we drive through the country down there, tolls, it's just a given. It's just you just know to pack your coins and bills like anytime you're driving and the cost is is minimal compared to what you're spending on gas so if we could just fix that um i think that the 407 is is something different entirely because i I think that they they charge so much so that the road will be so empty for those that are on it but that's right um, I, i i think that it should be it should be commonplace i don't have a problem with tolls at all as long as it's affordable i think that it would discourage people from driving when they don't need to Pavan, your thoughts on this particular think piece, as I called it? Well, yes. I mean, uh, we're Canadian, so all we do is tolerate uh, <laughs> tolerate things. So I think we're quite used to it. Our national symbol should not be the beaver. It should be a sheep being shorn, as I like to say. You know, it's just uh, they just continue to, to take prices up. No, I think the issue for me is I personally, I, I hate driving. I don't want to drive. I, I was in Toronto yesterday, and I drove probably for four hours in total because it's completely impractical uh, to do anything. You probably cover two city blocks in that four hours. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Lovely to be. I love Toronto, but it's just not practical. And then the meet, the next meeting was in the north of the city, so you know uh, it's it's impossible. So I, I think you know yes, we can we can put tolls on things, and I agree that it, it does uh, you know make things um, allow us to build infrastructure, etc. 
But the biggest issue really is that we're still, our government is still not taking a kind of a regional approach to transit. Yes, Metrolinx is supposed to do that, but it's one line along one strip. And if you happen to be going downtown, it works, but it doesn't really work if you're going to Richmond Hill afterwards or this or that or the other thing. So, uh, you know, we don't have that kind of proper vision for the entire Southern Ontario uh, area, which is exploding in population, uh, is only going to grow and it's completely badly designed. And there's, there's no inter, interconnectivity should be designed as one true system and and you know let's put let's put trains down the middle of the 407 i mean we probably still own that land per that secret deal uh and why aren't we using it and the critical thing i think to get that that causes people to drive and use their cars and buy these vehicles is the fact it's the last mile it's always the case that when you get to the destination you've got that three kilometers or four kilometers to go so whether it's uber or allowing you to park your vehicle at the start and at the other end pick up a a, a low-cost rental. These are the kinds of visions that we just don't seem to have. Funny thing about Doug Ford is the things he gets into trouble over are usually very minor. And in this case, it's this King's Council controversy. Uh, For those who haven't been following along in the prayer manual, uh, King's Council, or used to be Queen's Council, is an honorific that is usually given to lawyers. We canned it about 25, 30 years ago in Ontario. And then out of nowhere, it came back. And lo and behold, the 91 people on the first list all happened to be pretty cozy with Doug Ford and the Conservatives. Bob, I'll start with you on this one because this is kind of in your wheelhouse in terms of branding and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think this is a, you know, a risable uh, scandal or anything, but it does seem a little out of touch. It's an unforced error is is exactly what it is, because uh, this this is not something that was necessary. It was something that uh, that the government decided to do and bring back and and pay tribute to the new monarch with with a king's council designation for certain lawyers. Okay, that's all fine. That's all lovely and should be relatively innocuous. But I think Caroline Mulrooney was the flashpoint when she was one of the ones who gets this this elevated title when it, within weeks of officially becoming a lawyer in the first place. So everybody went, hold on, what's what's going on here? The irony is the title itself is basically meaningless. It doesn't give any additional stature, rights, privileges, anything other than you get to use the title and put it on your business cards. And so for for that, you know, for, for its its insignificance, it's created a lot of headaches that this government could definitely have lived without. Yeah, and Tamara, it's he's absolutely right, Bob. I mean, if it got you on the 407 for free, then that would be amazing. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. it's, it's a bit of foofery or frippery. It's a silly little thing. Uh, exactly. Why do we do these things? Why? I, I kind of feel like the King's Council designation is the new blue check mark. Once a mark of <laughs> distinction, now stained with the assumption that you bought your way into it. Why do we need this? I think it's embarrassing now for people who probably really earned it, quote unquote, to, to be walking around with this thing. Yeah, Pav and I'm not going to gripe about it because I like honorifics. And, uh, you know, the fact that a friend of mine was pronounced KC the other day and gets to put it after his name on wedding invitations, I I think that's fun. (laughs) Absolutely, it's fun. I'm, I'm waiting for the return of the Order of the Garter. 
uh, personally, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm gunning for that much to the chagrin of my wife, but uh, no, it's uh, I, you know, it's what a waste of capital, what a waste of political capital. I, I agree with both Tamara and Bob. I mean, it's, it's silly, silly, silly. Few people are paying attention, thankfully, uh, but it's embarrassing. And it's, and Doug has, you know, he has the courage to get things done and changed. And he's done that on, on many occasions, not always right. I understand that, but he's got the biggest majority in history. He's got the ability to cut through red tape on such a, important issues like health care and housing and you know transit all the stuff we're talking about every day it seems uh and uh what a distraction what a waste thank you all that's bob and brotch bob reed and tamara cherry and incidentally tamara's got a book out it's called the trauma beat a case for rethinking the business of bad news so my thanks to all of my panelists thanks to the crew for putting today's show together and uh, let's meet back here bright and early tomorrow morning and it'll be some new personnel some new material lots of intriguing content catch the round table round one at 7 45 round two at 8 45 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 toronto